they operate on a break-even and we call break-even broke-even because there's no room, there's no cushion in that and you are actually going backwards. So I, th I think that's what entrepreneurs really struggle with. As, as long as we break even on this job, we're gonna be fine. Uh, you're broke even at that point. Welcome to the Building to Scale podcast, where we bring real entrepreneur stories that showcase the challenges and successes in building and scaling an entrepreneurial business. Our host, Jeff Chastain, is a business transformation coach with Admentis, where he coaches business leaders and their teams with a proven set of principles and tools, helping them gain clarity in and get more of what they want from their business. Make sure to stick around until the end of the show, and we will reveal how you can become our next guest. Hey, everybody. Jeff Chastain here with the Building to Scale podcast, really where I get the, the opportunity and the privilege here to speak with entrepreneurial business leaders and influencers in the industry, really hearing their stories of both challenges and success as they've grown and scaled their business to where it is today. So today's guest with me here is Miss Chris Noel with TNT, a really a financial services, a bookkeeping CFO accounting firm, really focused on the entrepreneurial kind of business market. So this is Really great. I know she's got a lot of story here and all to tell. Um, she actually has worked with EOS and implemented EOS in her company. So I know she kind of taglines in with the, the really the idea of running a company on numbers and focusing on your numbers kind of a thing, which is one area that I find many entrepreneurs struggle with. So I, I figure this probably will, will resonate with a lot of you here. But um, first and foremost, Chris, welcome to the show. And thank you for taking a little bit of time out of your, your new year here to come talk with us. Good morning, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. So take us back a little bit here. Tell us a little bit more about TNT and take us back a little bit as to how this all got started with your, your journey here into this. Were you kind of the, were you the serial entrepreneur out there selling Girl Scout kind of cookies kind of a thing from day one? Or is this kind of nope. a time? Nope, nope. I am an accidental entrepreneur. Uh, the 2008 recession hit and I got laid off three times in that as an accounting assistant and HR assistant. And usually those are the first to go when, when money starts to get tight. Um, so after the third layoff, I decided no one was going to be allowed to be responsible for my financial future except for me. And being young, I thought running a business was super easy and I had all the answers and I was going to do so much better than all the businesses that I had just... Um, been furloughed from. So I launched um, a business in 2008 and, um, and really haven't looked back. In January of 2020, we launched a second business. So at this point now, I am not a serial entrepreneur because it's only two, but uh, I will, I'm, not, I'm not employable by, by the nine to five anymore. <laughs> yeah, I get that feeling. So obviously jumping off into a brand new business in 2020 with all the changes that hit and everything in, in April, how did, how did 2020 roll for both of your businesses for that matter? Uh, the one that we launched in 2008 was Steady. It's leadership. Um, and, the, and the clientele that we have there weren't too much impacted by what just went down. Um, so that was great. We're so blessed and lucky there. For 2020, um, when we launched, it's, it's the CFO and bookkeeping. That was a little scary um, because we cater to small businesses. And when they shut down, um, we had to do what was right versus what made money. Um, and so we did put a lot of contracts on hold. Um, the magic thing about that is when you treat people with kindness, like it comes back to you. So it was very scary come March through probably June be launching in a business that, so, you know, when you go through the hard stuff and you come out the other side, you feel better for it. So it was yeah. very scary this year for us. 
Oh, I yeah, I bet that's that's the thing is running any kind of business through this. I was say we saw the impact across a lot of industries, kind of a thing, but especially trying to say, hey, we're going to go start one in this, and and of course you didn't necessarily know it in January, trying to say, hey, we're going to start this. It the world changed pretty fast, and I'd say what was it late late March, early April, kind of a thing that. We saw it the same thing. All of a sudden, a lot of businesses pulling back and saying, "Hey, we we can't necessarily spend money on where we thought we were going to this year." So, yes, agreed. So, tell us a little bit more about TNT. What's what what kind of what what's your business model looking at there? What what makes TNT different? Oh, what makes TNT different? What makes us unique is that um, we're a hundred percent focused on profit. And, and it's weird when we work with folks and say that because um, gap accounting, we think, fails entrepreneurs. So our focus is a profit-first mindset. So changing, um, we work with mostly women. So their mindset that can charge what they think they should be charging and to stop giving discounts and to own who you are, as you can see, and your listeners can't. I have purple and blue hair, and I'm an, an accountant. So just when they start working with us, they see that we break the mold of what it is to be a woman, an entrepreneur, um, and to ask for what you're worth. Like there's no issue for saying you want to make six figures. Okay. Well, let's work with that. How much do you want to get paid from that six figures? And then we'll work onto what you need to charge. And I think that's, excuse me, that's unique to um, and do a lot of bookkeeping and CFO services because we're not just looking at your profit and loss saying ROI was poor or that was a good ROI. We get to the micro of what your business is actually doing. Interesting. So from that perspective, why do you feel like or why do you see in dealing with entrepreneurs kind of businesses, why do they struggle so much when it comes to the financial side of the business? Numbers, or do you see that? Yeah. Oh my, yes, we see that. Numbers are very scary as businesses scale. So, um, T, we hit six figures in a pandemic. Um, so we just use our model. So why do we think entrepreneurs struggle with numbers is because entrepreneurs are brilliant at pulling numbers out of thin air and then being right. They don't write them down. They don't have a process and they can't scale it. And then when they hire staff and they start hiring people, all of a sudden they're going payroll to payroll, struggling to make it because they haven't scripted why their system works. And so that's what we really come in with the business owners do um, and say, well, why did you bid that job that way? And what's your actual profit margin? Uh, they operate on a break even and we call break even broke even because there's no room, there's no cushion in that, and you are actually going backwards. So I, th I think that's what entrepreneurs really struggle with. As, as long as we break even on this job, we're going to be fine. Uh, you're broke even at that point. Yeah, that's, that's not moving you forward for sure. Mm -hmm. So um, tell me a little bit more from a, a financial kind of standpoint. When does, because we see a lot of times the, the CFO, the bookkeeper, the accounting kind of terms tossed around almost interchangeably. What do those terms mean from your perspective in terms of especially a, a smaller entrepreneurial kind of business? And when does each one of those apply from, from your perspective? Okay, that's a great question. I've never been asked that. Um, and you are correct. They are interchangeable. Everybody thinks one qualifies as the other. So I'm going to start with a, a CPA. CPA is great for tax time. They took that test. They are, that's what they're experts in. Any sort of tax law, but you do want to find one that specializes in small business or entrepreneurs, different CPAs. So that's what I would, I would say. CPAs are great for that high level um, tax time sort of situation. 
uh, CFOs, they're high level in your business, making sure that they're accountable for your profit and loss, basically, that what you're doing in your business is turning a profit. Um, every department is doing what they're supposed to be doing, and then you're holding them accountable to what's in the budget. CFOs do the budget, all of that sort of thing. Bookkeepers um, can be paying your bills, doing your data entry. That is, again, a science. Certified bookkeepers, um, really looking for those is quality, not your friend who's going to do it for free for you. So um, because there's there's art to the journal entries and appreciation and modernization and all that stuff. So that's really what a bookkeeper does, with the different tiers that I would say. So when do you see, because I, I know a lot of small businesses typically will say, okay, yeah, we've got the account or the bookkeeper, somebody just to handle kind of the day-to-day -day numbers and basically keep the systems up to date. At what point do you see that the, the real need is there or the stretch to say, hey, we actually need somebody from a CFO level? Because a lot of times I'll hear people say, hey, that's, that's big business. That's big company kind of something. We don't need a CFO if we're only at 10, 15 players, uh, employees kind of a thing there. So at what point do you see that that CFO type uh, role or service kind of comes into play? What? Uh, we don't do it number of employees, we do it revenue. So really what we've seen is having a bookkeeper or the entrepreneur running the business is great to about 350,000 revenue. And then after that, you really do need someone whose strength is in your numbers because the owner, entrepreneur, they need to be off making the big connections, the visionary stuff and not focusing on the numbers anymore. The 350,000 revenue is really where we say you need someone in there all the time looking at your books. Before that, just getting mentored by a money coach um, yeah. on a monthly basis is really, really beneficial. Okay. So circle back a little bit into into your company kind of a thing here. How did how did you kind of get started? It sounded like, or I guess let me back this up. What was the, so TNT is what we're talking about for 2020. What was the company before then that you that you got going on? Uh, that's leadership. So um, we do a lot of um, emotional intelligence, a lot of financial workshops in the business for the executives um, and, and that sort of thing. So leadership for, for the executive C-level okay. businesses. Um, and then TNT is purely CFO bookkeeping side. So when you launched really either either one of those businesses kind of a thing, was this just a you getting started or did you already have a team built that there was a whole team going into the company from day one? For TNT, we had a team because um, we were super messy, which is why EOS was really helpful. We were super messy and we were like general practitioners with the other business um, where we offered all of these things and everybody would be like, well, what, what do you actually do? Um, so that's why in January we branched out and just separated them completely. So there was no confusion anymore. So TNT came with staff. Um, when I launched in 2008, it was just me and I didn't have my first employee, um, come on board until 2011. So three years. Oh, wow. Okay. So what, walk us through that journey a little bit. What, what, what was the catalyst there to saying, Hey, I, I need to, bring on that first employee and, and, and grow beyond just myself there. What I just shared is uh, we got uh, the revenue started generating too much. It wasn't my strength anymore to be doing what I was doing. Um, I was not great at, uh, I'm a visionary. So I was not great at consistency, consistently showing up for those that we were serving. Um, and 
was learning some hard lessons. So at that point brought on someone who very much knew um, how to keep the business afloat and running. And so that was, that was the first hire. And we're up to, I think, 24 employees at this point. Um, and TNT are, uh, has three. Okay. So what's the, looking at it then, even still with that first employee, obviously you're saying you needed the more, the poor process, the more structure kind of a thing to going to 24. What's, what's the difference in your role? How has your role changed over that time frame? <laughs> I am not involved in the day-to-day anymore, and um, I'm more get, I get to come in and lead the, uh, we do every month, we do a, a leadership teaching workshop of some sort of interactive workshop. So um, I get to do all that. We host a book club. So my role is more of the culture and the, like, I, um, I'm an introvert, so I love behind-the-scenes stuff. So I'm always creating the new worksheets that we're rolling out or the new curriculum that we're rolling out. So I get to be behind-the-scenes creating um, the art, let's say, that then our integrator filters into the rest of the business and teaches them. So what was that? transition or, or what's the transition as well as the after effect like because a lot a lot of times especially the entrepreneur kind of types they've started the business they've been basically early days putting their hands around everything mm-hmm. and it's that transition that really they've got to say okay I've got to start letting things go I've got to start handing off pieces of this how did that transition how did it work and then what's kind of your feeling of it looking back on it afterwards how'd that transition work um, it's still a work in progress <laughs> Um, I love that there's still language for that because I do find that um, when I get bored, I meddle. So they have to remind me that I'm meddling and I'm doing an end run. So that's great. Um, The transition was actually harder than I expected because you are right. Uh, When you grow this, it's like your baby and then someone else is coming in and you you hope that they see your vision and they align with you. Um, there's a lot of trust. There's a lot of trust building. We took the same page meetings to heart and we would do them every month. Uh, the best thing ever is she doesn't live by me. She lives in Idaho. Um, and so I think that was really it, that, that once I let go, I'm not watching anything. I'm not there to like, I wouldn't do it that way. I, I'm just out of the picture and because we email each other and then we now, we, now we all hop on Zoom. But before that, we would meet once a month or a quarter with the team. Um, so letting go um, was, I think, easier because I'm not in the same office watching what she's doing. That makes sense. Because yeah, a lot of times when you're in the office, it's too easy to stick your head around the corner or poke your head over the over the cue ball kind of a thing there and, and start, like you said, sitting in their back pocket kind of thing, watching over it. So, but from your perspective right now, obviously, like you said, it's, it's still a little hard to stay out of it. You still get pulled in sometimes, but is it a, a different mindset from the com- from your perspective on the company? What's, what's your vision on the company now potentially different than it was then? Um, what's my mindset? My mindset is probably one of relief that someone else was there to take the reins during this year. So I could focus solely on another startup um, and be there for that team because that... Maybe that's the difference. Like I am now in a startup mode with other staff and other dreams that it's easy to let her take that over. So there's a lot of relief that she was the one um, connecting with all of uh, our customers and our team and supporting them through that. that. 
So emotionally, I could make sure that the big things, the vision was happening for the future. So it was a great relationship. So I, I would say there's a lot of relief. There's a lot of empathy. There's a lot of hope um, in that in that relationship right now. Now, that makes sense because that's it's really going back to what you were saying. It, it's trusting the process is trusting the people at this point that you really can step out of it rather than feeling like, hey, I've got to get right back down to the trenches and, and handle everything with a, a major issue like that. And that's a lot of what I'll, I'll talk with entrepreneurs kind of thing or business leaders over time is like it's there's going to be issues pop up, whether it's a global pandemic that we are dealing with still right now or whether it's simply just a key employee leaving or something like that, that there's going to be issues happening in the better structure you've got in place right now makes it a lot easier to handle that because if you'd take it back to where you were even like you said six eight years ago kind of a thing and then have the pandemic happen your mindset would probably have been quite a bit different at that oh yeah I think that uh I probably would have panicked and just let go of all the staff um six eight years ago like I wouldn't have even had the knowledge or capacity to hold on through it all uh, rule of thumb for us, though, is we have six months of reserve at all time for any staff we bring on. So before we hire anyone, we make sure we have six months reserve. And I think not that we had to tap into any of it. We were, like I said, very blessed this year. Um, we were already set up for an online world. Um, but I think that really helped. And six to eight years ago, that would not have been a possibility. At yeah. All. So I'm curious, you said... Uh, I'm trying to remember exactly what, how, long, how long ago you said you started working with EOS. Was that four years. years, three years? So what made the transition at that point to say, hey, we need to be looking at something else. We need to make a change, bring a system, et cetera, into the business. Uh, we, we were actually working with a new client and they said, hey, have you ever heard of EOS or Giant Worldwide Communication? It's, a, it's another leadership platform. Um, that nope, haven't heard about it. And they said, well, anybody that works with us, we really like them to have knowledge. Um, so I love to learn. And I immediately picked up the book, Traction, powered through it, um, then read most of Gino's other stuff. Um, and it was just amazing. And then while we're not official EOS implementers, um, as we were handling their finance and all of that, we learned about the scorecards and the level 10s and um, just watch, we helped them transition their company and it just was so beautiful and so easy to do and made so much sense that we brought it into ours yeah no i always good to have advocates out there but yeah i know that i can see the scorecards and stuff especially resonating in your world kind of a thing just from again watching numbers running everything by the numbers that's that's going back to where we started originally that's that's to me one of the biggest challenges that entrepreneurs really face is saying okay really looking at okay reality what are facts and figures here that we can base those decisions on like you said even six, eight years ago that it might've been a panic situation. Hey, lay everybody off. Whereas, okay, now we actually know our numbers. We know our reserves. We know things going on. It's, it's a lot easier to take a more proactive and a, a, a more uh, strategic kind of look at the business rather than just which way is the bl wind blowing today? Oh yeah. And I think even at that point, besides which way is the wind blowing because, you know, as entrepreneurs, we are very uh, reactionary. We like to put out whatever fires in front of us and feel really good about it. I think too, that there's just so much clarity and even the job description and the, um, the organizational chart, like there's just so much clarity in some very simple things to implement right out the gate core values. We had some basic ones, but they weren't anything that we put to heart or a mission, you know? So I think even just that it just shifted the whole business at that point. Um, and I didn't know, 
we were looking for something like that or needed something like that. So um, again, that was a game changer. Huge. Yeah, no, it really, it is. And, but at the same time, like you said, I, I see that a lot of times as people, especially entrepreneurs kind of sit there and struggle that it's, you're, you're at that point, you're at the top of the business. It's like, okay, who do I go to for help? But what, what happens when there's something here outside of my expertise? Because most entrepreneurs truly are experts in their own lanes. So it was my background was technology. Yours was more on the finance side, but it's like, okay, there's a difference between that and knowing how to run a business. And a lot of times you just struggle at that, that realm. It's like, okay, how do I, how do I manage people? How do I do some things around here? So given that I obviously know where you are with, with EOS and everything, pull out a piece of your vision statement there to say, okay, looking for the next, five years, 10 years, whatever, what's, what's the future hold for, for TNT and for the, the business there? What, what are your, what's your goals and aspirations there on the business? Um, so for TNT, ours is really financial freedom for entrepreneurs, especially this pandemic with so many businesses taking out SBA loans, um, really getting them to operating cash flow. and businesses can do it. I think it's, it's just, it is culturally acceptable to grow your business on other people's money um, and then blame it on that when things fail. So I think that's really where we're headed is changing the mindset that you can do anything you want to cash flowing your business and that charging what you're worth is crucial to running a profitable, profitable business. So I think that's really the vision for TNT. Our plan is to take over the world, uh, much like Dave Ramsey, Rachel Cruz, Laura Langmeyer, all of those folks that, that, you know, you manifest what, what you want financially. Yeah, no, it makes sense. And I, and I like that. Cause yeah, a lot of it, unfortunately, that's kind of the mindset overall is, is shifting blame around and things like that. And, and really being able to, to your point, take responsibility for that and say, Hey, yes, we can do this and we can do this in the right way and, and make it profitable is, is really key. Cause that's financial struggles is, one of the biggest uh, issues typically on an entrepreneur's kind of list right there is like, okay, how do we fund this? How do we keep growing it at that point? So I um, always kind of like to circle back at the end and kind of say, okay, what's that really that one best tip, that one strategy kind of a thing that says, hey, if I had known this eight years ago, six years ago, whatever the time was in the, in the business, that if I had just known this or been able to do this, things might've been differently or might've gone smoother, et cetera along the way? What, what would that, what comes to mind for you? Hmm. I think there's two things. One is if you are going to run a business, get your books correct from the moment you launch it. Not when you make six figures, not when you're making a million, um, do it from, from out the gate and, and have an awareness of what it actually costs to run your business so you can scale responsibly. I think that's number one. I wish someone had told me that from the get-go. We did we did bookkeeping. Um, I mean, that's my business, but it wasn't like we paid much attention to it until again, I wanted to hire an employee. So I think being aware from it, from, from the moment you launch and having that five-year plan in place. Um, the second one would probably be this one is interesting. I think for a lot of people, but find a mentor. Um, either online or someone you can't afford to pay to, who's walked that path already um, that you want to be like. So I, I, you know, I love looking at Sarah Blakely 
who's a billionaire from Sphinx. She's so far out of my league that I just, I can't even imagine, but she is a huge role model and mentor for me at this point. I, mean, I have a business coach too, but I think if you can't afford one, finding someone online that you want to emulate and just copying what they do is, is amazing. And again, do that because I thought I knew everything when I launched my first business. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. So bring this actually back around real quick to the, the financial side. So as an entrepreneur kind of thing, as a, as a business owner, what do I need to look for in terms of going out and finding, like you said, having your book straight out and straightened and put together from day one, or obviously most of, most of our listeners are, are beyond day one here, but how do you go find, because how do you go find a, a bookkeeper, an accountant, a CFO like yourself kind of a thing there? What, what should you be looking for or asking other than hopefully not your, just your best friend kind of a thing there that is a little bit more numbers inclined than you are. Oh, that cracks me up. Um, we actually, we don't work with startups either. We work with businesses that are gross revenue, 350 to 10 million. So, um, so I would say we, I, I take that back. We do bookkeeping for everybody. We don't do CFO for everybody. Yeah, um, so my, my advice there would be check out their website. If they have the certified we work with QuickBooks. So if they're certified QuickBooks users, you know, they've taken the schooling every year. We have to get recertified or take the classes to stay um, legitimate basically with, with what their product offers. Um, and then I would just ask lots of questions like how long have they been doing bookkeeping? Ask for some references from their current clients. And if they don't feel comfortable giving you any, that's probably not. Um, and then just the other thing is, making sure that there's consistency there. Are they give, sending you reports at a certain day each month? Are they, we do, we um, data ev entry every week. Um, if you have a bookkeeper who does it monthly, quarterly, or annually, they're probably again, not gonna be a good fit for you because then you're looking at super reactionary numbers instead of um, being proactive. So that, those would probably be my things, um, certified, references and then how often they're updating your books for you that makes sense yeah okay cool so unfortunately kind of running out of time like i said i, I love talking with the financial people but still um if people are interested in, in your business and your services where can they go find some more information about you or about tnt yeah, we're noobs to instagram so come find us on instagram we're trying to grow our base there so tnt financial freedom and then our website is tnt dynamite with an o instead of an a okay yep and we'll get that all dynamite.com yep. okay all right we'll get all that in the show notes so i appreciate the time appreciate the the insight there and hopefully we'll be talking again soon here absolutely thanks everybody thanks jeff have a great one thank you thanks for listening to this episode of the building to scale podcast if you would like to share your entrepreneurial business growth story, please visit buildingtoscale.com slash guest. If you got something out of this interview, would you do both us and our guest a favor and share it on your social media accounts? Don't forget to hit subscribe in your player so that you don't miss any future episodes and make sure to reach out to Jeff Chastain on any of the major social media networks or check us out at admentis.com.